Our scripture this morning is from Philippians. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. And in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. All right, get out your Bible if you have one. Open it up to the book of Philippians chapter 4. If you are a uh, child, then at this time you can start making your way back to the back to Kid City, which is going to be a lot of fun, exciting, and all kinds of other craziness going on back there. So, hey, glad you are here. Uh, As I mentioned earlier in the introduction, I'm starting a new series called I Can. I'm really excited about it because what I want you to believe as you begin a new year is that you can have an awesome year. You can can experience uh, a a wonderful um, year uh, full of blessing and full of opportunity and full of encouragement, full of joy. You, You can this year. And so um, today I'm going to be talking about Philippians chapter 4, and, but and next week I'm going to be talking about uh, the idea of I can, I can be a light. And then the week after that, we're going to talk about I can defeat my struggle, which we're going to talk about some things that, is very common, things that are very common for us to struggle with. And then, uh, and then on the last Sunday of the month, we're going to do a talk called I Can Belong, which also happens to be the Sunday of our annual vision dinner. And I want to just put that before you, get it on your calendar, Uh, January the 29th, I sent in an email this week incorrectly that it was the 28th, but it's the 29th uh, at uh, 5.30, we're going to do our vision dinner. I would love for all of you to be there, it's an opportunity to come together. It's also a time where those of us that are doing the Daniel fast, which we begin today, uh, we'll, we'll break the fast and share a meal together. Speaking of the Daniel fast, I just want to encourage you to, to join us in this time of fasting. Now, uh, maybe fasting is new to you. Uh, we've done the Daniel fast for several years as a church, and we find it's a really great way to focus our hearts and our minds on the Lord. And although we tend to get really caught up in the idea of like not consuming certain types of food, which certainly is a part of the Daniel fast, what we really want to do is get really... Um, focused on the Lord. And so what happens when you fast, whenever you're hungry or you desire things like caffeine or alcohol or meat or sugar in the instance of this Daniel fast, what we do rather than saying, rather than consuming those things, what we do is we say, Lord, I want to feast on your presence. And it's a really powerful time. So some of you, for whatever reason, have chosen that you will not do the Daniel fast. And I want to just encourage you to fast from something. Now, if you were kind of on the edge about whether or not you're going to do the Daniel fast, don't jump on this. It's like, okay, that's what I'll do. I'll just fast from, you know, um, going to ballets for 21 days or something real weak like that. Um, but, 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 you know, uh, if you just fast from something, it's an opportunity to detox and refocus. Jeannie and I have been talking a lot. This is my wife, Jeannie. Uh, we've been talking a lot about the fast this year. Last year we did it. We focused too much on the food. This year we're going to really try to ask the Lord to be present in our hearts and our lives and, and, and not just so that we can think clearly about our, the, our, our role in the church and leading the church, but really so that we can just experience 
even greater intimacy with the Lord Jesus and as we begin the new year. So I want to really strongly encourage you to do it, and, um, and it's, going to be, it's going to be a really, really good time. Okay? If you have questions about it, you can literally Google Daniel Fast, and there are so many resources um, out there that will help you. So no excuses that way. All right? But if you don't do it, obviously, we still love you and accept you, and we'll pray for you as we're really serious about the Lord. Anyway, all right. Um, all right, so let me pray, and then we'll get into this talk. Lord Jesus, we love you, and God, I just want to ask that your spirit would be poured out in this place as we think carefully about your word. God, we, we really do need you. God, there are so many things that whisper into our hearts that, that uh, uh, this will satisfy and that will satisfy, but God, ultimately what our confession is this morning is that the only thing that will satisfy is your presence in our life. And God, the only thing that will give us what we need this year to endure or to enjoy what we experience this year is you. And so, God, I pray for more of you this morning. I pray that you'd quicken our hearts to your word. And God, we want to look to the truth of your word this morning, believing that your written word reveals the living word, Jesus. And so that's why we open the scriptures this morning. So, Lord, we love you. I pray you bless this time. And I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Have you, um, or can you recall from your childhood this book, The Little Engine That Could? So I want to take you back to your childhood a little bit. Uh, a story, The Little Engine That Could, had this phrase that is so common and so popular. Repeat, finish it with me. I think I can. So the story, it's a story of a little blue train engine that helps a stuck cargo train get over a mountain to deliver toys and food to children on the other side. And so, so this little kind of broken, busted up little train is, is um, going to carry this cargo engine over this, this mountain. And he begins to repeat this phrase, I think I can, I think I can. You ought to Google this. It's really amazing how boring people's lives are. And there's all kinds of stuff written about this on the internet, you know. But anyway, um, so, so, this, so after ascending the hill, the chant becomes what? I thought I could. I thought I could. And um, so this, this is a hundred-year-old story that's been republished a number of times. And in one of the earliest published versions of the story, it was used in a church curriculum. In fact, the very first publication of this was a, taken out of a sermon by this pastor of a Methodist church in Brooklyn, which I thought was interesting. There's not many newspapers uh, publishing pastor sermons for good reasons today. Um, but it, that's how it first came about. And it was republished in this children's curriculum. And it was the moral of the story was this kind of idea that, that um, in, in the face of adversity, in the face of potential difficulty, uh, you, you must insist on saying, I think I can, I think I can. And if you do that, you'll make it up over the mountain, and on the other side, you'll be able to say, I thought I could, I thought I could. So here we are at the base of this mountain, that is 2017. And all of us will have to carry a load over the mountain. It may be heavy, and for some of you, it may be light. You may be starting the year thinking like this, I think I can make it through 2017. I think I can. 
But after today, what I hope you will say instead is, with Christ I can. With Christ I can. And so we pick up in Philippians chapter 4 in this passage that's very familiar uh, in our day. And if it's not to you, it's about to be. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 is the most uh, kind of popular quotation in this section. Let me give you a little bit of context. So, so Paul writes this letter to the Philippians. It's a new church in Philippi about 30 years after Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead and ascended into heaven. So it's about 61, 62 A.D. And Paul's relationship there is that he helped establish a church there. And he writes this letter to them from a jail cell, which is really interesting, I think. And... Um, and, and his hope in writing this letter to them is that they would experience a joy-filled Christian life. And he's also, as a part of this letter, thanking them for their financial support of his ministry. So look at verse 10, which is kind of beginning where we're going here today. He, he says to the Philippians, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. And it has to do with their financial support of his ministry. They recognized that he had some needs, and they wanted to participate and help out with those needs. He goes on to say, You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. And then he goes into verse 11. Not that I am speaking of being in need, which introduces where we're going today, this revelation of Paul's heart about his circumstance. Now, keep in mind, Paul is in jail for doing the thing that he feels like God has called him to do, inviting people into a relationship with God. And the way he invites them into a relationship with God is telling them about Jesus who came to the earth, lived a perfect, sinless life, died on a cross, was raised from the dead. In dying on the cross, Jesus paid a penalty for people's sin. In being raised from the dead, he gives the hope of new life. So he's doing this for God, but yet he's arrested for it. He's in jail, and here he is in jail. Clearly he has needs in jail, but he doesn't want to make his circumstance the thing, the determining factor as to his well-being. And uh, the most popular part of this passage is in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that verse before. Yeah, you've probably heard it quoted by an athlete, you know, just before the big game. Or uh, maybe you've seen it tattooed on somebody. I'm committed to this verse. I'm so committed to it, I actually got a tattoo of it. I did. I want to show it to you. I know this is crazy. You're like, what kind of church is this? You've already mentioned alcohol. Now you're talking about tattoos. Here it is right here. Don't, I mean, I didn't have much money. So that's, that's right there on my arm. And I ran out of room. And so um, I can, all it says is I can do it. Anyway, so I'm committed to this as you are. But let me tell you something. The, the verse doesn't actually primarily speak of kind of a hat tip to God whenever we're faced with a, with a big challenge. It, it, that's not really what it's about. I oftentimes, when I think about this idea of people quoting this verse, I, I wonder if they really know what it means. Well, we're about to find out what it means as soon as I can get redressed here. Here we go. The, the phrase, all things, is important. 
Because I want you to be able to walk into the year with confidence that I can do all things. If you want to know the name of my tattoo artist, you can get that same thing. Just let me know. We'll do it together as a church. Um, the phrase all things. Look at verse 12. Paul de- defines what all things is for him. He says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any In every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Uh, What is the all things for Paul? You see, this is where we oftentimes emphasize the the passage that we can do all things, which means I can do everything. But Paul is defining the all things here. He says to be brought low. Paul faced illness. He faced financial difficulty. He was uh, burdened with helping new churches deal with uh, the things that come with being a new church establishment and internal issues. And he, but he also knows how to abound, he says. He knows how to do well, and he did well at times. He knows how to face plenty. He knows how to face hunger. He knows how to face abundance, and he knows how to face need. He knows how to do these things. And as I've mentioned already, he's clearly in a place of need. As he writes this, he's in a prison. He knows what it's like to be alone and to have a lot of friends. He's expressing two extremes here when he says, I can do all things. The all things is everything from the good to the bad. I wonder what the all things will be for you this year. I wonder what the all things will be for you. Some of you will experience good. And some of you will experience difficulty. Some of you will get a pay raise this year. Others of you may experience job loss. Some of you will make new friends this year. Other of you will experience a loss of friendship. It's interesting to think about Paul's words when he says, I can do all things, when really he's offering the extreme of good and bad. I can do all these things. So actually the focus of the passage is not the all things. It's not the big race. Instead, it's the way in which he is able to do whatever the all things will be. He says, that the do in doing is this idea of contentment. Look at verse 11. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. This is our aim this morning. When I say to you, I can do all things, the emphasis is not on the all things. The emphasis is on how we do whatever things happen to us. And that is with the heart of contentment. So let's dial in a little bit on this idea of contentment. You know the word contentment, it also means satisfied. I can be satisfied this year when I am brought low and when I abound, when I have plenty or when I am hungry. When Paul was writing these words, there was philosophy of the day like that of the stoics or the cynics that taught that finding contentment required one to minimize difficulty by living as simply as possible avoiding any difficulty 
That's how you find contentment. Erase anything in your life that could keep you from feeling satisfied. It was, in essence, a material and social suicide. So you avoid any relationships that are, could be difficult. You avoid any items that could thrust you into a difficult circumstance. Another thinker, Aristotle, taught that uh, contentment was such a prized virtue and that people ought to seek it. But the way to find contentment was to live right in the middle between the two extremes of abundance and lowliness. But the difficulty with this philosophy was that there are few people that are able to manage their own lives in such a way where they can live right down the middle and make contentment the theme of their life by managing their circumstance, right? I mean, there are so many things that affect us, good and bad, that we have no control of. The idea of contentment was a prized virtue for everybody in that day as it is today. But what Paul is saying here is he's saying that there's a new way of contentment. You know, in our day, I really think that contentment may be the most elusive experience that we all desire. There's a book called The Progress Paradox. It's written by a guy by the name of Greg Easterbrook. And he draws upon three decades of wide-ranging research and thinking to make the persuasive assertion that almost all aspects of Western life have vastly improved in the past century. And yet today, most men and women feel less happy than in previous generations. Why is that? He says, our lives are characterized by too much of a good thing. We have excess at every turn. We have so much, yet we remain dissatisfied. People that lack are unhappy because they don't have their needs met. Understandably so. And those with excess are unhappy because they have all the things that they sought, and yet it still has left them wanting. The reason that we tend to lack contentment and the potential for you to lack contentment and a sense of satisfaction this year is because our sense of well-being is rooted in our circumstance. But Paul is saying something completely different than the cynics, Stoics, uh, Aristotle, and even the common philosophy of today. He's saying something completely different. What he's saying is that I am content or satisfied with whatever situation that comes my way. So the question that is pressing is how is this possible? Well, you know where I'm going. He says, through Christ who gives me strength. So the point that Paul is making is the one that would have been a stark contrast to those outside of the Christian faith, and that is his contentment was not affected by his circumstance because it was completely sourced by his vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. This is where his contentment is found, in Christ, not in his circumstance. This is how a guy like Paul, who could endure such difficulty, could at the same time say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
He says to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that you having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. In other words, your life can be good because of the grace of Christ in you, no matter your circumstance. He's given you what you need to thrive. This year, I I know it will bring to many of you good things. But you know when, when it's revealed whether or not our strength is in Christ or our circumstance, when it's most often revealed is in really hard things. And um, I was thinking about the start of a new year and, and the years I've been in ministry, and, and it seems like January is a time, as I look back, where I've had to walk with people to really difficult circumstance. I don't know why that is. I'll never forget. Um, seven years ago, January 2nd, 2010. Here, here's an instance where the heart of a person and whether or not they can find contentment or strength in Christ is exposed. I was sitting in my home still on holiday after the new year, preparing to go back to work the next day, and I get a call from, from close friends. Eric and Tani were close friends, and they had been for some time. Eric was uh, a friend who had just recently come to Christ. Uh, I spent many hours talking to him about who Jesus is and He had spent most of his life kind of trying to manage his circumstance so that he could feel like he was moral enough to someday be accepted by God if there was a God in his mind. But eventually he came to a place after experiencing um, the grace of God of of putting his faith in Christ, crossing over that line of faith. And, And on this day, it wasn't long after that, I received a call from them, a call of panic, a call of terror. I'll never forget because as I was on the phone, it's as if the room became a tunnel and all I could see or hear was the sound of weeping and in the weeping hearing them say that they had found their infant child dead or he'd stopped breathing in his crib. Just a, just a normal, ordinary day. They put him down for a nap and They went in to get him up after his nap, and he wasn't breathing. So, of course, Jeannie and I got into the car. We rushed to the hospital to find in that hospital room Eric and Tawny. There were dozens of people there already, and I, as their pastor and friend, walked into the room, and it was just me and them on the table with that little baby deceased and I tell you this because in that moment the only thing that would work the only thing that would provide strength is Jesus and, and if you're outside the Christian faith or you're new to the Christian faith you're, you're, it may sound strange to you but in those moments where you literally have your hands on life and death 
the only thing that works, it became so clear to me, was to say these words over and over and over. And I repeated them for two hours as I wept with them. Two hours of repeating these words. Jesus, we need your strength. Jesus, we need your strength. There was nothing else that I could say in that moment as they wept. And those moments were incredibly difficult. And even as I've prepared for this and thought about it, and I made contact with Eric and Tani to ask them if it was okay if I could share a little bit of their story, I thought about the fact that when we talk about doing all things and we make it about finishing a marathon, and that's not terrible, but it's really foolish when you compare it to like, I can do all things. Like what Paul is saying is I can be brought low because of the strength of Christ and find satisfaction and find contentment. I can abound. I can have a lot of money and my, my sense of satisfaction and contentment's not in that because God forbid someday I lose all that money. You see, there's an infusion of strength that happens in union with Jesus Christ. Hear me on this. There is an infusion of strength that happens in union with Jesus Christ. My job My calling, my passion, the purpose of my voice is to point you to Jesus so that you can walk closely with him. The reason that we open the Bible every week, and you can find other churches that don't open the Bible, or they might, but they don't really teach it. And they're all over the city. And there are also some really awesome ones that are this morning opening the Bible. The reason we open the Bible is because we believe that the written word of God, the Bible reveals the living word of God, Jesus. And I want you to see Jesus because you need to be walk united and in union with him for you to find contentment and satisfaction and peace in this life no matter if your circumstance is plenty or hunger do you understand this idea of infusion infusion is is like that uh that thing that supernatural thing that happens in the morning when you brew that cup of coffee i mean some of you are about to do the daniel fast with me and so you're like hating life right now because of the idea of not having this infusion but i believe that jesus will give you strength that's what it's like when, when, you, when, that, when that caffeine hits your, your bloodstream and all of a sudden you think, yes, like I can go to work. You know, I can brush my hair and take a shower and like function as an adult. But in Christ, there's this infusion of strength where we look at our circumstances and we go, I can do all things, the good things and the bad things. It's interesting here. There's a verb tense that uh, we can't miss when he says, I have learned. The phrase he says, I have learned. In verse 11, I believe it is. So it takes time. You're not going to be able to do it overnight. There's a way of learning that happens in the Christian faith that, that, um, that just takes time. When he, when he uses the phrase, I have learned, what he's, what he's really saying is that like something happened in my life in the past where, where I was pursued by Jesus and I received Christ. And it's, I've learned. It has had continuing effects on me. So, so I'm, a, I'm able to, to do all these things through Christ who gives me strength in a way now that's, that's much stronger than I was able to a year ago, two years ago. And some of you are there. So... I, 
I don't want to throw this burden on you that this year, if you get out into your circumstance, good or bad, and you start placing your sense of contentment or whether or not you're having a good day or a bad day based on your circumstance, I don't want you to beat yourself up too much, but let me tell you something. The way to go is in Christ, to draw strength in Christ. That way, whether or not you experience a good thing and a bad thing, and God forbid you experience something tragic, no matter what it is, uh, you will be able to say, I can do it. I can do these things through Christ. I can continue to, to, to live and continue to find contentment and satisfaction in rich days and poor days. Days where I have a lot of food, days where I don't have a lot of food. Days where I have a lot of friends and days where I don't have a lot of friends. Days where people are nice to me, days where people are not nice to me. Days where um, uh, I'm feeling hopeful and days where I'm feeling kind of discouraged. I I can do these things this year. So, So the question that remains and one that I'll use as I begin to draw this to a conclusion is how do we access this strength? I mean, really practically. I mean, the idea of it may be compelling to you. I hope it is. But how do we access the strength of Christ who will enable us to live content in whatever circumstance we face this year? Very simply, two things. First of all, you start a relationship. So to access the strength from Jesus Christ, we must accept his invitation for a relationship. And you might say, well, do I need Jesus to have a relationship with the Father? Yes, Jesus is the way to the Father. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Apart from Jesus, you're separated from God because of your sin. But with Jesus, your sin has been erased, and you have access to the Father. You can go confidently to the Father and say, oh, Father, I need strength because of my circumstances really, really bad today. Or, Father, I need strength because my circumstance is so good that I'm beginning to focus and and find a little too much identity and joy in the goodness of my circumstance. You start a relationship. Some of you are not yet followers of Christ. You say, what do I do to start this year right? Here's what I tell you to do. Begin a relationship with God. Ask Him to enter into your heart and believe that he will because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Jesus, when he died on the cross, he died for sin. And in a mysterious exchange, when you have faith in Christ, your sin goes to him, his righteousness goes to you. So your sin is erased. It's not just covered up. It's erased. And so you have access to the Father and all the things that the Father wants to give you quite possibly the greatest of which is contentment in no matter your circumstance. Start a relationship. The second thing that you ought to do is cultivate the relationship. This just makes sense, right? To gain access, strength from Christ, then we ought to cultivate that relationship. Have you ever been around somebody that just by being around them, you feel like a stronger person? Like you enjoy being around them. I have people in my life that when I'm with them, I kind of walk away feeling a little, just a little stronger, a little more confident, a little more secure. And I'm sure you look forward to spending time with those kinds of people in your life. You know, here's the thing about the relationship with Father God. When you spend time with him, you're strengthened in Christ. 
This is so basic and oftentimes we neglect it. We spend time with the Father by spending time in prayer, by reading the Bible. This is how we cultivate our relationship with God. There are so many resources. What I use um, from time to time for my own kind of personal time with the Father is um, if you go to uversion.com or bible.org, there are reading plans on there. It's what I use, and we're actually going to send out a 21-day reading plan to accompany the Daniel fast that, that uh, many of us are doing. You spend time in God's Word. The most loving thing I can offer to you as a challenge in terms of helping you cultivate your relationship with God is to say to you, get in this. Read it. If you want to understand it all, it's okay. That's how you listen to the Father. Spend time talking to Him. Spend time talking to Him. And although you and I know that God is amazing in His way of thinking and the way that we think about thinking is is otherworldly, you can talk to the Father at whatever level of intellect you are able. If you want to talk to the Father like my five-year-old son talks to me, when my five-year-old son talks to me, even if he doesn't just use the right words, I listen. My 12-year-old son talks to me, it's a little different. He knows a little more about life. His vocabulary is a little broader. I listen. It's no different. Talk to the Father. This is how you cultivate relationship with the Father. You know, in essence, this is what we're doing with focusing on the Daniel fast. We're essentially saying we want to spend time hearing the Father. We want to spend time being strengthened. I don't know what this year is going to hold for me and for Jeannie and for our family. I don't know what this year is going to hold for our church that I'm going to get to walk through with you but I know this that there's a strength that we need in Christ to find contentment in whatever it is and closely related to the idea of you as an individual spending time cultivating a relationship with the Father through prayer and scripture reading is is the purpose or the place of the church in this for you. It's interesting to note that throughout Paul's letter, repeatedly he's thanking this fledgling church for their partnership. We, we, we don't call our members members here. We call them mission partners. And one reason that we do that comes out of Philippians where Paul's acknowledging their partnership, which means they are his friends. They're with him. The, there's a recurring verb. Uh, it's used like six times in this letter, and it means thoughtful care. This is what the church is supposed to be like. Uh, there are lots of churches, and even this one you really could just come, listen to a sermon, and go home, and you know, kind of stay in that level of commitment. But really what I want to encourage you to think about is the role of the church in helping you strengthen and cultivate your relationship with the Father. We get to belong together on mission so that in, in um, this year, good times and bad, we will find contentment in Christ and strength in Christ together. In fact, I think it's probably fair to say the New Testament talks more about the we than it does the individual as it relates to the Christian faith. 
So the way that we cultivate um, our relationship with the Father and as a result gain strength from Christ, it's not only our individual disciplines of prayer and scripture reading, but it also is our commitment to the church family. And, and, and you've probably heard it say, someone said, hey, I don't need to go to church to have a relationship with God. And that is, that is true. It's technically true. However, in my observation, in 20 years plus of ministry, a person's lack of commitment to the church family reflects a lack of commitment to the Father. And the irony of it is that some people tend to neglect the church most when they need strength the most. I can think of one man who attended the church that I pastored. If I didn't see him for three or four weeks, um, I knew it was because he was struggling. And I would frequently call him and say, of all the times that you ought to remain faithful to the church family where you can draw close to the Father with the family so that you can have strength in your circumstance, it's now. But instead he chose to drift. So what I'm saying to you is that You can do all things this year, the good things and the bad things, but not apart from Christ. Can you imagine a kind of year that no matter your circumstance, you can get to the end of it in December of 2017, which will be here before we know it. You can get to the end of it, and you would be willing to look back and say, not I thought I could, I thought I could, but to look back and say, with Christ I did. With Christ I did. I hope and pray that that's our heartbeat as we enter into this new year. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the most of revealing thing will be when our heart says the thing that we're doing, the way that we're doing it is to be content. Because our contentment is not in our circumstance. It's in the Lord Jesus. Let's pray on and think about these things. God, I don't know what's going to happen this year, and, uh, but, I, but I, I know that there'll be some good things happen this year. Uh, I know that there'll be some difficult things happen this year in our church family. I just, uh, I just pray that, uh, that the message that would kind of vibrate through everything that we do is that We have access to a strength that comes in Christ so that no matter if our circumstances are good or bad, we truly can live with a sense of contentment knowing that you're in control. So with your head bowed, I just want to ask you to consider this. Um, Have you begun a relationship with Christ? Maybe for you, religion and your religious experience has complicated it. And, and you're like, just tell me simply what I do. Well, if you believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sin, and you want your sin forgiven, you believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, And what you do is you confess with your mouth. You tell God, God, I uh, want my sin forgiven. And I want to begin a relationship with you through Christ. 
That's how you start a relationship with God. And for all the rest of us, the pressing question of application is, how are we doing cultivating this relationship with the Father? For those of you that are choosing to do the annual fast, it's going to be a really beautiful opportunity for you to become crisply aware of the presence of God in your life. And in that, you will be cultivating a relationship with the Father. But for all of us, we can cultivate a relationship with the Father and gain access to the strength that comes in Christ through simply praying and reading the Bible, gathering with the church family. What will your decision be today? What, what will you do? What will you walk away with? Maybe it's just simply saying, tomorrow morning I'm going to get up and I'm going to pray and read my Bible. God Almighty, we love you. And um, God, I think this passage is a good start to a new year. I pray that, that uh, we would all have this verse tattooed on our hearts. And God, we just want to respond to you in this moment. We love you.